Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from New Brownfells, Texas. Welcome to the show, Inyaki Strick. Hey, Victor. Thanks for having me here. Super excited. Great to have you here. Now, you're a repeat guest on the show. It's been a while since you were here with us. Mm -hmm. Maybe for those who haven't met you, give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So in college, I was studying a business and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one time I took a real estate finance course, which was really the only class that I truly enjoyed. And after taking that course, I started just picking up books about real estate investing. And, you know, just like many people that are listening to the show, I came across Rich That Poor That. And that's the first book that I read by choice and read it a couple of times. And that's when I said, I want to be a real estate investor. But now I had an issue. I was first out of college. I didn't have any money and I didn't have any knowledge. So I said, how can I gain both? And what I decided to do was become a realtor. This way I could start generating income while at the same time learn about the uh, real estate process and learn about contracts and comparable sales and all the things that I didn't even know that I needed to know about real estate. And then fast forward a few years later, you got to be uh, in the company of Robert Kiyosaki. We, that's where you and I first met on the Investor Summit at Sea. And then your journey took you into some more interesting, a little bit of a left turn. Absolutely. So I definitely knew that the more I learned, there was more to learn. So I wanted to surround myself with the experts. So that's when I started going to the Investor Summit at Sea, when, when I started surrounding myself with notable people that just were uh, good at what they were doing in this area. Uh, so that took me to opportunities such as going down to Belize and uh, helping uh, people down there uh, with, with investment properties. Then I was able to raise capital for a different firm. And then whenever I moved to New Braunfels, I went back into the uh, real estate sales side of things. Awesome. Now, you've recently invested in short-term rentals in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Now, you had experience with international investing in Belize with Mahogany Bay Village mm -hmm. and talking to investors about that whole process. Mexico and Belize are very different. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you get comfortable with making a direct investment in Mexico? Yeah, I think uh, first it was just about being comfortable investing outside the U.S. and Belize definitely helped with that. But then afterwards, is uh, all my family is from Mexico, so I'm pretty familiar with Mexico itself, and I fly there probably four to six times per year. So that's just a, a place that I spend a lot of time in. So I'm very familiar with uh, the area and how the country runs. And so that, that definitely helped. But uh, whenever I went to Tulum for the first time about three years ago, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I went back and just kept going back. And every time I would go back, I just would see the infrastructure continue to evolve and more uh, real estate continue to appear. So then that's when I said, I need to start researching this market. And that's when I I figured out that it would be a good opportunity to start investing in short-term rentals so that I could have a place that not only could I visit myself, but also it could pay me to visit it and to own a, a, a vacation home in a place that I love going to. A lot of people believe that some of the nearby communities closer to the airport like Cancun are already overbuilt, oversupplied, mm -hmm. and maybe past its peak in terms of desirability, whereas Tulum is a little bit more pristine, a little bit more untouched, certainly a ton of Mayan history there. Many people that seek a, a slower paced lifestyle where they don't want, you know, senior frogs and Coco Bongo and, and the music going till three in the morning every night, 
They're seeking a place that's a little bit more, I won't say off-grid, but a little bit outside that beaten path. Right. So the architecture in Tulum is totally different. It's a boho chic style. So it's very jungly down there. Every development has to preserve 60% of the jungle within their development. So it, it gives it more of a, a natural look. And it's like you said, they can't build uh, more than four stories high there. So you don't get all this overdevelopment like Cancun. Another thing is that they're working on an international airport in Tulum that's supposed to be ready here in the next uh, three years or so, as well as a high-speed train connecting Cancun to Tulum. So there's lots of infrastructure going there that will make it easier to get there because currently you have to land in Cancun and drive about two hours to get to Tulum. Yeah, absolutely. So as an American investing Mm -hmm. in Mexico, in fact, any foreigner within 50 miles of the Mexican coast, and I don't know all the history behind that law, but I know it exists. Foreigners are not allowed to own land within 50 miles of the coast. It has to be in some form of a trust. Tell us what you know about that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's absolutely right. You have to have a form of a trust, which in Spanish is called a fideocomiso. And what you do is you are the beneficiary of that fideocomiso, which owns the real estate. So as an American, you are able to purchase property along the coast, but you just have to do it in this very specific way. And who's the trustee in this case? It will be a a Mexican bank. A Mexican bank is the trustee. And does that trust have a lifespan to it? Does it expire? How does that work? Yeah, I believe it's 99 years, and then you can apply for a renewal. Okay, very interesting. So it's almost the combination of a trust, almost almost like a ground lease in, in some respects. Okay, of all the markets in Mexico, I mean, you've got San Miguel Allende, you've got Nuevo Vallarta, you've got uh, Baja California. Why Tulum? Yeah, I've been to many of those, actually. I've been to Cabo probably four or five times, and I was just in San Miguel earlier this year as well. And Tulum, I just like because of the region that it's in, it's the fastest growing region in Mexico. And then just the lifestyle there is totally different than the one that you find in San Miguel and the one that you find in Cabo, which are both very attractive places. But just for what I like to do, uh, I like Tulum best. I like uh, to be able to go down there, relax. There's so many restaurants and there's uh, lots of influence from uh, Europe. So you find different restaurants that are European, Italian, different flavors, and the cuisine is just very, very good. Uh, and then just the beach is uh, crystal clear waters and then the, the sand is very white sand. So I just liked the Caribbean side of Mexico better than I like uh, Cabo. And then San Miguel de Allende just obviously doesn't have a beach. So for me, it was just uh, more of the lifestyle that I was going after. Now, of course, as a real estate investor, it's not enough to like the place. The numbers have to work. The fundamentals have to be there in terms of supply and demand. How did that measure up from your perspective? Yeah, so for short-term rentals specifically, uh, Tulum is pretty much 85 to 95% uh, occupied throughout the year. So that was a positive right there. And then uh, just the nightly rentals are also in very high demand. And while the supply keeps uh, increasing year after year, I think that demand keeps uh, rising as well, especially with that international airport going in and with the uh, high-speed train that's going in. So that's that's what I liked about it. Fabulous. Now, of course, when you perform your due diligence, and as anyone in the short-term rental business, you're relying not just on anecdotal data, you're using tools uh, to really get a good sense of the market, the comps, high season, low season, shoulder seasons, and all of what that means, because it is, after all, a seasonal business. How did that measure up? 
Yeah, definitely. So I think the biggest resource is the people down there and linking up with professionals in the area. Even though I'm a realtor and even though you don't need that license to sell or purchase real estate in Mexico, you could do it on your own. I still went the route of hiring a professional in that local area that could guide me through all those steps. And uh, I did find out that the uh, high season starts around November and goes all the way to about uh, summer. And then whenever the rainy season starts, that's when uh, prices start to drop a little bit. Fascinating. Well, Inyaki, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, you can always shoot me a text at 832-922-8218. And I'm I'm on Instagram, Inyaki, I-N-A-K-Y underscore Strick, S-T-R-I-C-K. Fabulous. Well, love the perspective and great to reconnect with you. Looking forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks in Dallas. And in the meantime, for the listeners at home, connect with Inyaki on Instagram at Inyaki Strick. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.